This episode was brought to you by Good Episode Productions. Get them while they're good. Get them while they're episodes. Get them while they're productions. In heaven, everything is fine. In heaven, everything is fine. In heaven, everything is fine. You've got your good thing, and I've got mine. Hello, and welcome to Lynchpin, a new podcast where we watch every single David Lynch property and then talk about it. Um, this is our first episode, and I am your host, Chaz. Hi, Chaz. Yeah, no. <laughs> With me is my other host, who will now say their names. <laughs> Should I say it again? Yeah, just do it. It's fine. I'm your host, Janos. I'm your host, Alec. And I'm host, Jan. It's so lovely that we're all here together in this podcast to talk about good, good filmmaker David Lynch. Mm. I can't believe we're doing this. Yeah, me neither. You know, some might say that this is an excessive amount of podcasts. <laughs> Um, unhealthy, maybe, but I would have to say mm. it's fine. Yeah, some might say we're a bad influence on each other because we constantly end up starting new projects, but I think it's fine. I'm just excited that there's someone who's willing to start projects with me. No one normally will do anything <laughs> with me. <laughs> That's sad. I know. Podcasts are like Pringles. Once you start, once you stop, you just can't pop. It's true. <laughs> um. I wish I could stop. Um... <laughs> I guess, do you want to talk about, like, brief uh, history of how we all, what we all know about David Lynch and our, like, um, history with him, maybe? Yeah. It's like an intro. <laughs> like a fun get-to-know-the-host segment. I love uh, it. Yeah, mm. like an icebreaker sort of, sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Mm. What's everyone's favorite David Lynch story? <laughs> uh, the Return, obviously. I thought you meant, like, story about David yeah, Lynch. Yeah, that oh. was what I meant. I don't, do I know any stories about David Lynch? I think The Return is about him, actually, because he's in it, and I think it all happened. I think they're all about him. Uh, David Lynch stories. I like the one about how he met Carl McLaughlin and didn't even, like, do a real audition, but just sort of took him to a hotel room and talked to him for a bit and was like, you're perfect. I will make you a star. <laughs> <laughs> I like the story about how he was supposed to direct... Uh, Return of the Jedi, oh, and he yeah, just had a yeah, big yeah, headache yeah. and uh, all the time. And George Lucas was talking to him about Wookiees, and then he said to him, George, this feels like your thing. I don't want to do it. <laughs> Man, to live in that world where he did direct it. Ah. Oh, God. What a... What a better timeline. It either would have been amazing or would have completely killed the franchise forever. Either way would have been better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. It easily. probably would have been both. Yeah. I mean, Dune was not good according to people who pretend they know anything about movies, so... A according to David Lynch, yeah? <laughs> yeah, like David Lynch. But he's wrong about his own work because it is good. I, I honestly enjoyed Dune for, for what it's worth. I, th I, I had a great time. I think it's an experience. Yeah. I honestly have not seen Dune since. This is one of the reasons why I wanted to start this. Because mm. we were just talking about, like, doing Twin Peaks, Twin Peaks podcast. But then I remembered that I also need a reason uh, to watch Dune finally. And, like, all the other David Lynch movies I still haven't seen. 
No, yeah, ex- exactly the same. This is a perfect excuse for me to actually consume all the other bits of content that I've missed out yeah. on so far. Mm. Yeah, because, like, I have not seen... I have seen, like, half of David Lynch's movies. If we count, like... You know, if we do by by sheer volume, I would say I have seen, like, 80% of his output because the return is just so much. Mm. Uh, like, mm. hours-wise. But, yeah, I've seen, like, all of Twin Peaks. Uh, I've seen... Blue Velvet, Lost Highway, um, Firewalk with Me, and Mulholland Drive, and now I've seen a race ahead. And you're all the better for it. Had you not seen it before? That's amazing. No, this was the first time. Because the other thing is, I'm also like bad at consuming media, and usually when I really enjoy someone's work, I'm gonna get to a point where I won't be able to like actually watch all of it, and it's always like exciting that there's still something left. Mm. So I guess I killed that now, but. It's fine. I do feel sad about watching his movies um, on my own and not having anyone to talk to them, talk to about them. Immediately talk to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So in that way, this is nice because it means that there will be people who have to talk to me about the David Lynch movie once I've seen it. (laughs) I do feel that because when I like first watched um, Mulholland Drive, yeah, then I like watched the second time and then I like needed to talk to people about it but no one was willing to watch it because yes. it's, it's two and a half hours long and it's David Lynch so it's hard to and I was in like 11th grade or 12th grade like in high school so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when, when you're yeah. teen and no one wants to discuss the intricacies of mobile and drive with you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how about you, Jen? What's the, what's your? Uh, yeah, I got really into Twin Peaks because of a friend of mine, and then uh, I've seen a handful of his other movies. I've seen like Firewalk with Me, mm. Mulholland Drive, uh, Blue Velvet, and I watched uh, Inland Empire recently, which is insane. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, very excited to get the broader picture of his work yeah yeah because i also i think i've seen pretty much the same ones that everyone else here has seen which is like blue velvet mulholland drive i haven't seen like straight story or um elephant man or any of the ones like those the normal ones yeah 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 so (laughs) i'm sort of excited everyone's favorite lynch movie wild at heart yes i also am very excited to watch wild at heart i've got i've got that downloaded onto my laptop i'm ready very ready to watch that oh good (laughs) i've only seen like two scenes of that movie and they seem insane (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think it seems good um it's probably good it has nicolas cage in it so he's he's just like he's a very weird guy i was reading about him earlier um because his politics are always extremely confusing, and I find them really interesting. <laughs> I think they're non-existent. Yeah, he says he just finds it confusing and doesn't like to think about it. And I think he has a very personalist, political sort of feeling. So he maybe doesn't get that involved with like state politics or like party mm. politics, but he has very strong beliefs about what's right and what's wrong. That's what I get from him. Yeah, yeah, I do find him very uh, fascinating to watch. Like, just to, just to hear him talk, like, because it's not like, and there's going to be people, like, pretentious people on the internet who will say, ooh, it's so exciting to hear him talk, he's, everything he says is so insightful, and they're lying. (laughs) (laughs) 
yeah, he's just... I'm absolutely that person, though. I will listen to him talk about transcendental meditation or whatever for just hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he is... He does have these really interesting views. He has this book of, like, memoirs where he sort of talks about, uh, like, tropes. He talks about, like, diners and how he likes diners and all that sort of stuff. I think he's just really... I don't know. He has an affection for, like, old Americana, but also yeah. he's yeah. very aware of, like, the problems with it. Um, and the dangers of romanticizing it, I think. Um, yeah. He also he claims he used to like Reagan, which is insane. Um, <laughs> but then he um, he like endorsed Bernie Sanders for the 2016 presidential elections. So he's just like you know. Oh, that's nice. Whatever, and you know he he was like he's like believes in trans rights, and he did all the Black Lives Matter stuff. So he has like, mm. you know, your base level like goodish politics, maybe. Yeah, for a boomer. Uh. The only boomer who's allowed rights. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Our boy David. Like, unironically, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching, like, he did really did a really weird Q&A for his YouTube recently, mm. where, uh, like, someone read him questions sent in from people on the internet, and the woman who was reading them, she, like, read it, and then it cut to David Lynch, and then he like waited a second, and then he repeated the entire question again. Uh, and there were like no cuts. <laughs> I have in it. seen that. It's so yeah. All of the content from his YouTube channel is absolute gold, and like none of it is edited at all. <laughs> it's just him, like all of his what he's working on today, like all of his little DIY projects. I've seen and him. I've like, seen him cooking quinoa. I think that's about it. <laughs> Yeah, that one's that one's a lot of fun. I love the one where he like met a bug, and then he then he talked about how uh, the the experience of seeing of finding this bug, and then there was like three minutes of footage of the bug with like some noise music on it. <laughs> I think he's a visionary, you know. <laughs> but the the thing I I was gonna mention about that inter- or, the, or, or that Q and A that someone asked him about the weather reports mm. and why he does them, and then he says he says I think people are just very interested in the weather. <laughs> <laughs> Not wrong. He's right. I love the weather. Okay, should we talk about a raise your head? <laughs> Let's talk raise about. Your head. My favorite, yes. my Hero Academia character, Razorhead. <laughs> yeah, so this was a fun movie. Lots of um, lots fun of, might be stretching it a little. <laughs> <laughs> lots of what I would describe as visual metaphors, maybe. <laughs> mm. Many orifices yeah, this... leaking much blood. Often. Mm. <laughs> it, yeah, it's, this it's, is a hell of a film. Yeah, it's probably the most visually striking film i think i've seen it the, the the like just the palette and the the visual style of it is i i love how it looks it looks so gross most of the time but i love it yeah i think it's and there's like basically no dialogue in it or nothing yeah, that, yeah, yeah. there's no dialogue in it that is like actually relevant to the plot like i think you <laughs> yeah. could like watch this without being able to speak english and get mm. exactly the same that you get <laughs> uh, if you if you understand english yeah I'd say the two main themes of this movie are, wow, childbirth is pretty fucked up. <laughs> um, society is crumbling around me and there is no optimism. Um, and women are scary and they have ambiguous desires that I don't understand and I don't know what I, they I, want from me. I've forgotten how scared he was of the women in this film, yeah. Yeah, it's a 
pretty major theme. He's really scared, but but this guy is just so scared. Like this guy, he's pretty scared of everything. Mm. Yeah, Mister Razorhead. Mister Head. (laughs) Mister Head. (laughs) Mister Henry. Henry Razorhead. Mister E Head. It's he's the eraser head, right? Because his yes. th- that's my interpretation that he's the eraser head because his hairstyle looks like the eraser at the end of a pencil. Well, no, it's because his head falls off and then they make erasers and out of his it, brain. Yeah, <laughs> that too. Yeah, yeah, that's like the literal, <laughs> the literal reason. That is probably the bit I understand the least, or can rationalize in my head the least. Yeah, I was so I was reading. Because I'm really interested in David Lynch and his relationship with like disability mm. um, in his films, because some people think that he uses it for like shock value in a way that isn't good. Mm. Yeah, but I think mm. this article, this article that I was reading, and I think I kind of agree with it, is that often he's using it in like a humanizing way, and he sees it as like almost like just an important thing to include because it is like part of the makeup of society and he doesn't do mm. it to horrify but to sympathize but in like a normal non-patronizing way i will say like i'm not like i i wouldn't uh d- definitely go out of the way and say that he's entirely unproblematic in the oh, depiction no. of the disability but like i will say in the relationship like in the larger context of like horror movies and like other movies that would use disability as shock value there's like it's a genre staple that is usually much much worse yeah well this the thing is that there is so many like main characters who are disabled within his work so like the one-armed man in twin peaks um and he portrays himself as being deaf in twin peaks which is what this article was partly about because he's one of the few directors who's directed himself as someone with a disability Mm. which is just this sort of like interesting thing that the article was about um, but they they describe the eraser bit as him. I don't know. I did not agree with a, like I agreed with some of this article, but not with other bits. Uh, and for eraser head, it said that the eraser head baby is sort of um, the stigma of society against disabled people. And okay. in the end, he has right. to kill it, and then he's free. And I don't think that's how. The I ending. don't think I agree. No, but it describes his brain being made into erasers as finally becoming useful. Um, in a new form, but I saw it more as um, sort of him as a human being made into objects for other people's use, maybe, in this sort of mm. factory landscape that this takes place in. Yeah. It's sort of industrial in the sphere of, like, industrialization, making everything inhuman, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can feel that. I can see that. Yeah. How about how about those man-made chickens, though? God, yeah, the, the didn't chickens. Love that. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, yeah, that was... Mm. <laughs> that was something I watched this movie like twice over the last uh, few days because we delayed the recording by a day and then I thought maybe I should watch it again so I can remember it better uh, but you know like I didn't pay full attention the second time but you know still yeah. that I have it relatively recently and that one was a bit tough to watch like the chicken <laughs> where, where it made those weird sounds and started yeah. like bleeding and then the other part that I hated to see was when he like opened up the baby and stabbed oh, it. That, that, that was, was really fucked up. Dreadful. That was yeah. Well, that was a lot. The sound design in this movie mm. is off the fucking chain. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. It's, it's so main good. thing. He always does his own sound design, and I think yeah, it is yeah, like yeah. a major part of his work. People claim that it's all just ominous wishing, but there's, there's more. To, <laughs> there's more subtlety to it than that. I feel like. 
there's various there's different kinds of wishing. wishing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like the 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 parts that because surprisingly it wasn't even the whooshing that stood out to me sound design wise but it was like when the song kicked in <laughs> yeah because mm. mm, yeah that felt like that was one of those uh those david lynch moments to me that i have with like a ton of his work where it like really affects me in ways that i find hard to describe or explain <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. it really just like extremely resonated with me the that uh, that whole singing part. Like I, I was like really glued to the street, the screen in that uh, second. And I think part of it was like the way uh, the song was like fitting into the sound design of the entire thing. Mm. Yeah, do you know those are real umbilical cords she's standing on as well? Uh. The prop department Ew. was not happy about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's some fucked up props props in this one and like some fucked up technical effects that I have no idea how they would have done. So good though. I'm like, is the baby a puppet? Is someone like under there like moving his head? I think I read a little bit somewhere that was like, oh, there was speculation that it was some sort of aborted animal fetus or something that he'd bought. I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, like a, like a cow fetus yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. I feel like maybe, but I also feel like maybe not. I think it's just a prop, but they did use, like, animal shit for the rest of it, so maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, the chicken, the man-made chickens, that was definitely, like, I don't know. Is that meant to be, like, a miscarriage thing? <laughs> because it's, like, this orifice where loads of blood comes out. That's how it seemed to me, you know? It might be. It could be. Loads of, like, gaping holes bleeding in this. Yeah. It's also just This movie is very Freudian. <laughs> it is. Oh, absolutely. It's like, I think it's, like, his most... Uh, Freudian he in his work like this is because I think we talked in the beginning about how it's also like the the most visual thing he does and mm. it's I think it super makes sense that this is like his first full length movie because uh, this feels how do I put it like the the visual language uh, and and this ties into the Freudian stuff like feels much more. Um, Despite all the fucked up stuff, I think the the entire visual language feels like uh, he's referencing, you know, cinematic language that was there mm. uh, and that he puts his own twists on it. But like the, the thing that reminded me visually was German expressionism and yeah. specifically also the Orson Welles movie version of Franz Kafka's uh, The Process, <laughs> which... I'm sure David Lynch has seen, mm. uh, like the the whole like claustrophobic rooms and shit, that was like, and and the like disorienting architecture, and I think also like the the Freudian themes are also like taken from, from these uh, like the, the the femme fatale character is also like taken mm. from uh, from like noir and expressionistic cinema. Yeah, for sure. She was very like Joan Crawford looking. I thought. Yeah. I was also surprised in how similar, like, the weird stage looks to, like, Twin Peaks The Return stuff. Yeah. I was just gonna say, yeah, it, it looks a lot like, um, sort of the red room mm. with the, the black and white, uh, floor. Yeah. I mean, theaters are a, very much a repeating image in his work. Yeah. Yeah. Like, with the silencio mm. in yeah. Holland Drive, or, like, the roadhouse. Mm. 
So yeah, I, I thought about that a lot. A lot of like repeating imagery in his in his later work. Yeah, he just likes to have a musical interlude on like some sort of stage partway through. Which and I, I love that about him. I appreciate. <laughs> yeah, it's like more um, filmmakers should do that. The imagery of like the weird guy in the planet who's doing mm. all the levers and like um, the big tree in the dirt all just yeah. reminded me a lot of yeah. stuff from The Return, I thought. Yeah, like episode so. 8, The Return, yeah. Yeah. Well, like the tree looks a bit like the arm. Yeah. Which is interesting that he ca- he went back to that like 40 years later, or 35, yeah. I guess. I think The Return. The Return's definitely like a synergy of like all his work, it feels like. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> I don't know what the difference between those two words is. I'm not sure either, but they sound good. Um, <laughs> what was I? Oh yeah, speaking of the chicken scene, <laughs> I was gonna talk a bit about how fucking weird the acting of like the dad is. Oh my god, the parents! <laughs> yeah, the dad is so good. <laughs> yeah, what does he say? Oh, he's man. talking about his arm. He's like, I don't yeah. feel anything in this arm. I, I couldn't move it. But every day eat. I would massage my elbow. <laughs> <laughs> now I can grip, but it's all numb. Uh, it's like That's, uh, super non-naturalistic, which is so great. I feel like the beginning plays so much into like comedy in a way. I found so much of that like first meeting bit really funny until obviously <laughs> mm. until this chicken started bleeding. But like, I, I, I love the idea of him being asked to carve this tiny, tiny thing in front of this family. <laughs> Well, again, I guess it is just like a surrealist version. Because if you think about this play, this play, I guess it kind of it's a play. If you think about this Ooh, film, interesting. just without, <laughs> if you think of it as story without like all the freaky visuals, then you could say it's a really conventional story. Yeah. About a guy who um, has accidentally gets a girl pregnant. Her parents are super um, mean to him and make him marry her so they can look after the child. She can't cope with its crying, so she leaves. And then he has an affair with his neighbor, um, and then he, I guess he kills his child, which you know it's just fairly like normal stuff. And so this is just the surrealist version of like having a horrible meal with your girlfriend's mm. parents, where they're like yeah. inexplicable people who you don't understand. Like that, like that, like that's a rom com scene meeting the yeah. parents. Yeah, <laughs> a razorhead, the world's greatest rom com. <laughs> this is the most like cliche thing to say about David Lynch's work is the whole like dream logic stuff where that it's mm. like mm. very nightmarish but it does feel like and I think especially a Razorhead feels super like uh, one of those dreams you have where if you tell it to someone later that you like remember how horrifying it felt but explaining it to someone the next day is just gonna be absurd yeah and a little bit funny maybe Yes, uh, and sure. I think that's also where, all, where where like the comedy comes from, where it's like still unsettling, but in a way that if you step away from it, it's funny. Do you ever do you ever have a thing where your girlfriend's mum is trying to ask if you had sex, and then she starts mm-hmm. like making out with you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what was with that? <laughs> Women are scary. <laughs> Mary's mum milf moments. <laughs> David Lynch milk compilation. <laughs> Isn't that all happening while the dad's just smiling placidly at the table? Yeah, he's fine. It's fine. He's like, please help me. And then Mary saves him by like grabbing the mom. And she's like, yeah. did you have sex? I think they did. Uh, how do we feel about like Jack Nance's acting in this? 
I love Jack Nance. I, I love, love him, him to so bits. much. Yeah, he's ah, uh, what a delight. Mm-hmm. He's so good. One of the yeah, his his face is just so expressive. His, his eyebrows are amazing. Yeah, he just looks so sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's just what I thought when he's staring at this like, <laughs> he's just staring at this you know horrifying baby and he just looks so sad about it. <laughs> but it's very funny because at first when Mary's there and she's looking after it, he's like super psyched about it. Yeah, he's like sitting on the bed like kicking his feet and like <laughs> smiling. <laughs> I, I love that scene. <laughs> He's like, oh, so my child and happy. my wife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Finally. Yeah. Yeah, and the, the one, because, you know, obviously the character I most associate with Jack Nance is uh, Pete in Twin Peaks. Mm. And yeah, especially the line where he's like, fellas, there was a fish in the percolator. <laughs> like, he has this really weird pointed delivery. And, you know, he doesn't speak much in this movie, but the one delivery that he did that super stuck out to me was when the baby starts, like, getting sick, and then he says, Oh, yeah. you are sick! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the, yeah, that was inspired. The sick baby jump scared me. Um, yeah. Because it was fine, and then it went scary noise and it cut to it and it was covered in, like, mm. black bits. And yeah, I was like, yeah. oh, okay. I feel like, I feel like that's just... It, that works so well. There's th- just that it escalates so quickly. He just turns his back and immediately. That like it's nightmare logic. You just turn. You turn away for a second. You turn back, and it's this horrifying. Yeah, totally. Sort of image. Yeah. And and the other thing I I like about like all the stuff with the baby is that I thought before watching this that it's gonna be like a disgusting baby or like a scary baby. No. But it was just like really cute most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice. It's a nice baby. It's just not very well. And then it laughs at him and he gets angry. Yeah. You ever get super pissed when you sleep with your neighbor and then she doesn't like it anymore because God, she keeps seeing was... you as your deformed baby? It was so fucked up where he was like, <laughs> where she was there, the like femme fatale character, and he was like putting his hand over the baby's mouth. I know. Yeah. Don't do that to a baby. Yeah, that's not, yeah. That's not on. It's not good parenting. Yeah, there's a lot of bad, bad parenting in this. If any parents are listening to this, don't look for parenting <laughs> advice from a razor head. That's good advice. Yeah. He definitely has a thing about, you know, he has got this thing about women. They're either, like, nice and they're, like, girl next door types or mm. they're scary and they're trying to have sex with you and it's, like, yeah. sinister. <laughs> but they're also, like, sex maniacs, you know? <laughs> Like, Blue Velvet is, like, extremely this also, like, where it's, like, about this duplicity of the two women, and one of them is nice, and one of them is sexy. <laughs> That's just how women be. <laughs> I mean, it is this classic Madonna horseshit, but it is very, like, yeah. The ideal lady is the lady who lives in your radiator, and everyone yeah. knows that. 100%. <laughs> I like her. I think she's nice. Well, she is nice, but she's also, like, standing on a bunch of umbilical cords, which may or may not be her telling you to kill your child, so you just have to, like, <laughs> interpret it how you will, I guess. I, I like that scene where she was, like... Because, like, before, the, not the singing sequence, but the very first sequence where she appears, it just takes super long, and she's just keeps stepping mm. on these things, and it mm-hmm. keeps going. I really like that. Like, I like how how it went on for, like... 30 seconds longer than it would have been comfortable. 
Yeah. That's so you can see how happy she is then she stands on the umbilical cords. Yeah. And there is also this thing in this which um, carries on and, again, makes me think of The Return, which is the sort of scary electricity thing. He's mm. got a real thing about electricity. Yeah. It's kind of scary. Yeah, it's like this sort of almost fear of, I don't know, like modernism. And he also, he like presents that as scary things being like electricity or industri- like industri- industrialization um, and like, you know, nuclear weaponry and all that mm. sort of stuff that happens in like, I guess like the 50s, which he finds really scary. <laughs> well, there was an interview once where the guy asked him like if like, sparking electricity mirrored um, brain synapses, mm. talking about like dreams. Mm-hmm. And he just said, no. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. So we know what it isn't, but like, what is it? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's impressive he gave any sort of definitive answer, to be fair. Yeah, I don't think he believes in that, really. I don't think he thinks there is, like, a singular reading, yeah. which I think is just probably Except that it's out. not synapses. Yeah, it's not synapses. Fuck off. <laughs> I, mean, David, I I think the the thing about like David Lynch not giving because there's people and they are wrong who think that David Lynch is a hack because he doesn't even know himself what his movies mean. Mm. <laughs> and I think uh, th- to me the the way I always see it is that he doesn't want to explain it because he already made the movie, you know, yeah. and he he can express things visually better than he'd be able to express it in many words Mm. yeah i think that's fair i think people it's like with twin peaks where people or some of it is like law that you can solve but mostly it's more emotional storytelling where it's not like you find the correct answer it's more like how you feel about it you know yeah i feel like yeah you find the strengths of most of his stuff in the thematic underpinnings rather than the literal plot elements yeah uh there was also like in the in the thing that that uh, you sent us, Jen, of the like early interviews, there was also a thing where someone asked him, I think, something about whether it's about dreams and if he or that it was something about how this movie was called a nightmare and uh, would you care to elaborate a bit on that? And he says no, <laughs> but like very cheerfully. <laughs> well, he he always says this is his most personal film. Mm. Is it? <laughs> it? Yeah. I mean, it it feels autobiographical yeah. in the sense that, like, I mean, the guy looks like David Lynch. Yes. And also, yeah, that's true. Right, like, I feel like the stuff with the the parents, that feels very real. Mm-hmm. And, like, it is emulating a real thing that, a real experience that he had. Yeah. Um, and sort of recreating those emotions in a surreal way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh- right, like... The, the discomfort of trying to talk to a dad, mm. but he's just talking nonsense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he'd just had a child as well. Well, he'd had a child, like, a, some years before, and then immediately got divorced, pretty mm. much. Yeah. And I, I think it is similar to that. Um, I think it was sort of about the, I don't know, like, distress of having a child and not feeling equipped to deal with all the sort of complicated things that are wrong mm. with it and being sort of afraid of it in that way. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I hope he didn't stab his child, though. Well, he didn't, because she's fine. So. <laughs> <laughs> she makes movies that loads of people hate, so she's she's all right. It wasn't so much stabbing, as he, like, he snips the sort of, oh, it's awful, yeah, it's I hate bad. it. Yeah, yeah it, it's... Ugh. 
And how would he, un- he sort of snips open the bandages and you learn that this thing's just being held together by bandages. It's, mm. Oh, yeah. really horrifying. Yeah, and then yeah, there's like the heart like open or whatever and then it stabs that. So that's, yeah, yeah, and that's it starts spewing all this like <laughs> shaving foam. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then it gets really massive. Yeah, what's that about? Oh, Why that's the best it? bit. Yeah. 100% best bit of the movie. Giant baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the fucking... Yeah. <laughs> the... Um, head at the end, like when it gets big and it just shows the head, yeah. um, the the massive head of the baby that looks looks like the fucking Koopas in the Super Mario Brothers movie. I think <laughs> <laughs> that's what it reminded me of. It looked like a dinosaur to me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then it kept like it keeps moving with the flash of the lights, and it's mm. like, oh, the spooky dinosaur is here to get you. <laughs> yeah. And then he dies? Yeah. Yeah. Head, oh, yeah, his head goes boink. <laughs> <laughs> it makes a fucking boink sound effect. Oh, it does as well. <laughs> it's a razor, you know? Yeah, that's what it sounds like. And then a child brings it to the pencil machine. And that's another, like, moment of comedy with, like, the guy at the yeah. desk and the boss. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That super feels like, like a... Like a Buster Keaton sketch or like a <laughs> yeah. um, short film, like the whole delivery of the or, or the the acting of those those two men. Yeah, it's very funny. They just like take the kids. Like, okay, here's a head. Um, I will take it to the man who will make it into pencils. <laughs> I'm not gonna explain this, but oh, I think his head's made of rubber. Good stuff. It's like, why is that? Because what's the timeline on this? Like. Well, I think that doesn't really happen as part of his dream, isn't it? When he's yeah, that when he's in the in the theater, um, and then there's like some other woman next to him in the bed. Um, that's his wife. Um, Why is she there? She already left at that. No, point. because she leaves once to go to her parents because mm. she is because she can't sleep, mm-hmm. and then she comes back, and then he starts just pulling like umbilical cords out of her. Oh, okay, um, yeah. And he and is like, this is what's happening. I don't like this. Why is there always so many umbilical cords? But I guess it's like the threat of her getting pregnant again and having another child, perhaps, maybe. But then she disappears, and that's when the lady next door comes over. Mm. And it's like, where's your wife gone? And he's like, I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> I'm trying to think there's anything else that happens. I mean, it's all just stuff happening, you know? Yeah. He destroys the planet with the guy in it. Um, that's normal. Hate, yeah, don't know what happens. don't know what it's his thing, thing is about. The dude in the planet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's the who's like the guy who's at the beginning of the movie and then at the end? Oh, the guy pulling levers. Yeah, yeah the guy on the planet. He's just like uh, well, he's in like a. He's called the man in the machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the credits, he's Here's, barely hmm. famous. Um, yeah. Jack Fritz, Frisk. His name's Frisk. He helped fund it, I think. Ah. Um, mm. That was the the Kickstarter reward. I think he's. He had to be covered in mold. He was married to Sissy Spacek, I think. Ah. Okay. Um, super fucked up. Good for him. So the guy, so Jack Nance <laughs> dies at fifty three because he gets hit in the head in a fight and then gets a brain hemorrhage. Is that and how he died? Hmm. Yeah. Like oh, he, 
he had like a bruise and he went to meet his friends for lunch and then he went home and then he just like had a brain hemorrhage. Um, and then the guy who wrote the In Heaven song um, was mysteriously murdered in his apartment by persons unknown, which was never solved. Okay. There are lots of like unfortunate this is, events this is associated spooky. with this movie. Yeah. It's a bit, bit spooky. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Hmm. I'm surprised that, I'm surprised Jack, in that bit where he's adultering and, he, and they're sort of being submerged into milk or whatever. Mm. <laughs> he yeah. seems to be under there for so long. I'm surprised the guy didn't drown. <laughs> I, I don't think he's still under there. <laughs> Look. <laughs> Has anyone checked on him? Yeah. <laughs> Jack Nance died while filming this scene. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and she's, like, making out with him, and she keeps looking at the baby, and she's like, this yeah. is kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't do that in front of too. your baby. Yeah. Don't cheat on your wife in front of your baby. Portal. Yeah. <laughs> he just needs another room. That flat's so tiny. Yeah. What's the scene I loved was the um, stop-motion weird um, chunk of something that he puts in the cupboard. Oh, yeah. Then, like... Goes in and out oh, of holes yeah. a lot. What was that about? Mm. What was uh, that? Where did it come from? It gets delivered to him. Is is um, yeah, it's home. Oh, it's in a little box. Yeah. And then he's like, "This is a secret. I must keep it secret." But why? See, I think I, I initially assumed that was a bit of umbilical cord, but I, I don't know. Yeah, me too. I just assume everything's an umbilical cord in this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Always a good assumption uh, to make. Yeah, could be a bit phallic. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, it was like, is this is this Christ's foreskin? You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a bit relicy. Could be anything. Oh, mm-hmm. I just remember the the other the stupid association I was having in the movie is like when he's in the big suit, but his head is like tiny, like it's the like Dave Byrne. Yeah, yeah, it's like <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It's like David Byrne, but it's also like the scene in Master in Disguise that's, that was like where he's like, I'm a turtle. And that was... <laughs> turtle man. <laughs> that, that apparently happened at 9-11. <laughs> that's right. Oh, man. I remember loving that movie as a kid and my family being like, what? <laughs> Why? <laughs> Before I had my like discerning what's good and what's bad. Mm. Uh, Gene. <laughs> it's so good. Have you rewatched it recently? No, I, I don't imagine it holds up in any capacity. <laughs> so, what else is there to say about Eraserhead? Probably a lot. Probably um, a lot. Should we talk about the that video that we watched? Like the weird audience reactions? Yeah, so this film did not do well when it first came out. Mm. Um, it was not well received. But it became popular through, like, night screenings. Um, it's weird that this movie wasn't, like, it didn't, didn't get, like, everyone into the theater and, you know, <laughs> didn't become, like, Star Wars-like phenomenon. <laughs> yeah. Kind of weird, huh? Yeah. If, if Star Wars hadn't come out that same year, it probably would have done great. <laughs> People God, weren't ready for it. Yeah. Yeah. Th- if, th- if that had happened, we'd have, like, Funko Pops of... Henry and the <laughs> Razorhead baby and 
I was thinking about that. Maybe it's just because I already have Funko Pop brain poisoning. But I was thinking about how there's there's a ton of like characters that could make would make great Funko Pops because they're like <laughs> visually very striking. They have a lot. They have a lot of characteristics. So like, I think I remember seeing it. It's awful. It's, there's like a isn't there like a Laura Palmer wrapped in plastic Funko? God, Pop? it's yes, so bad. Yes, That's, there is. Oh my god. Yeah. The Twin Peaks Oof. Funko Pops are very disappointing. There's only like eight of them, and one of them is Laura Palmer wrapped in plastic. So great job on that, Funko. Yeah. Yeah, people are fans of Twin Peaks are wrong 90% of the time. <laughs> 90%. They don't enjoy it in the correct way. <laughs> I'm So I'm reading about the pre-production of this movie... Um, it was originally going to be a script called Garden Back about a guy who really wanted to fuck his neighbor. Um, As we do. Nice. But it was like okay. his lust was represented by a big insect, which got bigger and bigger. That's a bit, it's a bit Kafka. Kafka, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. It's a bit metamorphosis. Well, they said he was inspired by Kafka um, quite a lot. So um, I was right about the process connection. Yeah. Yes, yes, you were. And Nikolai Gogol's story, The Nose. Um, and then it came together when he opened the Bible <laughs> and read a verse from it and then shut it. <laughs> um, like you do. He can't remember if it was from the Old or the New Testament, but he said, Eraserhead is a very spiritual movie. Mm. And again, yeah, it was um, his daughter Jennifer was born quite uh, a bit before and she had severely clubbed feet, meaning she had to have lots of corrective surgery. And... She was also not planned. Uh, and he was living in Philadelphia, which he thought was super fucked up. <laughs> He's like, yeah, that's full of, full of freaky stuff. Hit quote, I saw so many things in Philadelphia I couldn't believe. I saw a grown woman grab her breasts and speak like a baby, complaining her nipples hurt. This kind of thing will set you back. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Why wasn't that in the movie? <laughs> I mean, maybe it was and it got cut, but you know, that's the sort of thing where he's like, wow, that's fucked up. <laughs> the sort of thing you see only in Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah. What's the general sort of a uh, public opinion of Philadelphia? What's the. Uh, that's something I don't know. Like, as, what's, what do Americans think about Philadelphia? Um, it's kind of um, a poor city, relatively. I think it has quite a lot of poverty. Hmm. But I think it's, you know, it's got bad bits and good bits. It's very big. Right. It's a city. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know much about it beyond it's just, yeah, it's it's a city. It's a big one. But they uh, make cheese. Ah, nice. Cheese and steak. Yeah, Phillies. Whenever the twain shall meet. <laughs> <laughs> cheese steak, something I have heard of. Um, there was that, like, movie called Philadelphia that won the Oscar back then because it was about AIDS, but probably aged horribly and no one remembers it i think that's a top is that a tom hanks movie yeah exactly it was like yeah wow tom hanks plays a game man and he's that's so, so brave convincing. of him <laughs> <laughs> damn what if people wow. think he's gay in real life that's that's a bravery <laughs> and bruce princeton wrote a song for it that's that's why i know about it even that hmm yeah that sounds like it would win oscars yeah mm. Yeah, what else have I, I learned? Um, it took a long time to make. Yeah, it took like five years or something, didn't it? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, Nance's wife, Jack Nance's wife was working as a waitress and donated some of her income towards the movie. That's nice. You had to have real real faith in it. He was married to a log lady, wasn't he? 
Um, maybe Catherine Coulson. Yeah, I think, I think so. Yeah, that yeah. sounds right. <laughs> yes, yes, she is. That's nice. I I'm glad that David Lynch keeps his pals around mm. for his future projects. Yeah, like Jack Nance is like I think in every single David Lynch project that he did up until Jack Nance's death. Yeah, sometimes just as cameo or like very minor non-speaking roles, but. I mean, I don't remember him being in Dune, but I might have missed him. I think he was in Dune. Like, I've, I've, I've scanned we'll the Wikipedia, need to watch it again. and he was in, like, eight movies, but all of them were by David Lynch. <laughs> it's so good, though. I don't know why. I, I think he probably didn't want an acting career. Like, there's there's those people. Yeah. Mm. Oh, he was. He played Nefford. Nefford? Nefford. I don't recall this character. Maybe he... <laughs> Wait, wait, <laughs> Nefford Dune. Oh shit, that is him. Fuck, I didn't recognize him. Ah, <laughs> oh, he's the crazy ginger guy who, who's yeah. Fuck. Okay. Yeah, we're gonna have to do Jack Nance watch on like future episodes like <laughs> this. Ah, <laughs> oh, I'm gonna. Yeah, yeah, we really do. I'm gonna post a picture of him just because it's wild. Um. Oh my god. <laughs> I love him. <laughs> it's a good movie. Um, <laughs> what else? What else was there to say? Well, the legacy of this movie is interesting. Yeah. Mm. Uh, famously, Mel Brooks was shown this movie uh, under protest and said, "This man is a ma- madman," <laughs> and uh, gave him the money to make uh, Elephant Man. Mm. Ooh. Um, okay, that's interesting. What else? There's like two. Um, Fuck, what's his name? Pink Flamingos. John Waters. Oh, John Waters, yeah. yeah. Uh, John Waters often said that this was his favorite movie. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Which makes yeah. sense. <laughs> um, and then Stanley Kubrick, uh, in the making of The Shining, showed this movie to his actors to get them in the mood. Okay. Well, that's wild, because The Shining sucks. Okay. Um. <laughs> I like The Shining. It's fine. I, I'm, I'm like anti-Kubrick. Um, um, I don't know why, but this is what I've decided. I mean, Kubrick so. sucks as a person, or sucked as a person, but it did make some good movies. I just, I don't think they're very human, so that's they're my, not, that's, but that doesn't, that's my opinion. They're right. not, but it yeah. doesn't uh, bother me. Yeah, like, I guess I, think, I just find it cold. Yeah, for I me. Think, no, I think his his best movies are when it, uh, when that coldness or that unhumanness like serves in favor of the movie. Like I think. What's the name of his last movie? Eyes Wide Shut is like extremely good. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's just. You think Eyes Wide Shut? That's amazing. Okay, it's really. I good respect movie. that. I think it's terrible, but I appreciate that you think it's good. I can see how you might think it's good. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. I thought it was like really bad. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna have to rewatch it, but it like really blew me away when I saw it. That's just like Tom Cruise's character being like, "Women want to fuck." That's horrifying. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. But the thing is. Uh, because, as you say, like Kubrick, famously someone who can't really understand real human emotions, and yes, Tom Cruise, exactly. who is also like not really can't a human. So, <laughs> yes. I think it's beautiful synergy. It's like Tom Cruise's best performance. You know, maybe, maybe I'll, maybe if I rewatch it with that idea, I will enjoy it. Yeah, because yeah. I was, um, I was watching Interview with the Vampire, and I always say it's the only film I've seen with Tom Cruise where I feel like he exists behind his eyes, mm-hmm. um, and he's actually present. And after that, I think he's just like an empty man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Like uh, Jerry Maguire is also like, if if it had, if they had cast any other person, 
in the lead mm. it would be like it would have been like a love story or whatever but this way it's just the story <laughs> of a psychopath yeah i often think of christian bale saying he based his american psycho yeah. character on tom cruise <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, the the other thing I was gonna mention about that video of the audience reactions is like that one guy who was like, "Any name twisted mind? I would not recommend this to anyone." <laughs> but like in this delivery, it's really good. It's very similar to the reaction to Cast Twenty Nineteen, <laughs> and it's just the horror of the audience. <laughs> and both yeah, movies are also... the, on the same level. Yeah. There's that mix of, yeah. like, horror from, you know, like, the body horror and um, <laughs> enjoyment yeah. being like, what, but what does it mean, you know? What's the deeper message? Yeah. <laughs> if it hadn't been for the pandemic, Cats would have become, like, such a midnight movie phenomenon. I mean, I did see it twice in the cinema. Um, you saw it twice in the cinema? Yes. Yeah, same here. Yeah, wow. it's, it's good. Brilliant. It's, it's art. It's outside of art. <laughs> Done by a guy who has won Oscars. Yeah, he's not really an outsider, but like, <laughs> I guess it's outsider art in that you have to be an outsider to enjoy it. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we should, ha- where are we? We're at like an hour, so we should... Yeah, we have an episode. We, should we wrap up and say any last thoughts on a raise ahead? Anything I think I, I, up, yeah. I, I think I wanted to mention, there's something I forgot until now, that David Lynch, he did paintings, or still does paintings, and yeah. they're all like, the raise ahead's definitely the one where I feel like it, it's him trans transforming his paintings into a film the most obviously like all the texture of it is so it's basically just the same he's just yeah making moving paintings in this one it's it's yeah you can feel the texture of everything especially on that radiator girl's cheeks yeah i think that's true that does seem yeah i can see that there's all the blasted landscapes and stuff Mm. and all the sort of horrible like mountains of ash and stuff like that Mm. yeah totally like, but that, that's also what I mean about how it's like clearly, or that it totally, totally makes sense that it's his first like full movie because his, mm. yeah. I feel like his later movies become like much more loose mm. in a way that he, uh, th- there's a lot of things that end up staying in the movie that happen by accident. And he thinks it's a good thing. Like he's, he's really, he later gets really into this idea of, um, of accidental magic happening. Mm. Mm. And I think Eraser had, uh, feels much more structured and purposeful mm. in a way that that there's less of it in his later movies because he gets into the more of the like, more of a freer or more of a you know looser framework yeah mm. and i think increasingly some of this not all of it because i guess if you go back to the return and some bits of mulholland drive a lot more of this surreal stuff is just within the narrative rather than imagery it's a lot more just people being odd rather than things being odd necessarily. Yeah. I'm just mm. looking at, uh, cause I was, I had the inspiration to do the segment we do at the end of who watches the watch and just typed the raise ahead into Quora. <laughs> we can't do that on this as well. <laughs> uh, I've got some, I've got some letterbox oh, reviews good. here. Oh, okay. That's some, good. Uh, let's see. Uh, David Lynch, he is a very weird man. I don't like his films. All caps. Very overrated. His films make no sense. Abd, I hate them. Waste of time. Boo. One and a half stars. Okay. <laughs> At least one and a half. Not that bad. Let's see. Eraser my balls. Half a star. 
This movie sucked. I'd give it zero stars if I could. Not even any guns or anything sick like that. One half star. Okay. <laughs> what if you shot the eraser head baby yeah. with a gun? <laughs> what if the eraser head baby had a gun? Oh that was my, my initial thought as well, yeah. <laughs> a tiny gun. It would have a much shorter film. Like a little gun. Mm-hmm. That would be very cute. That would be cute, yeah. Yeah, on Quora I only found, like... Because there's a question that is like what is the meaning of the movie eraser head and there's like some people who say the things we said about dreams and you know it being autobiographical but i like this one answer that is just man is scared of world man is scared of baby man drifts in an auto reality as coping mechanism man kills baby thanks thanks <laughs> yeah pretty, yeah spot on hey was that cute it's pretty it's a good summary of the plot what if the razor head baby is terrible president donald trump <laughs> commentary okay <laughs> anything else i, yeah, oh, I don't okay. think we can continue from this <laughs> okay well that was good to talk about i enjoyed this discussion of yeah the eraser head um what's next is the it eraser elephant head man? next is a re- elephant the elephant man yeah Okay, so next month we'll be talking about The Elephant Man and thinking more about David Lynch mm. and his relationship to disability. And have have um, any of us seen outcast. Elephant Man? I have not, no. Nope. Nope. Nice. <laughs> That's exciting. <laughs> yeah. I think it's probably going to be fine. Like, it's probably oh, yeah. going to be like a normal drama movie. I think it's just about a guy who likes elephants. Yeah. I, I was yeah that's what I assumed because one of the things that, that was also in that interview from like after the release of Eraserhead was um, the interviewer asked him about how what he thinks of the audience reception of Eraserhead like a lot of people love it a lot of people hate it and he's, he says like well I didn't think about the audience very much when I made it but I will keep the audience more in mind in my future movies <laughs> I'd be curious to see how that reflects on Elephant Man. That's why he made Wild at Heart because he wanted to like <laughs> wanted to get the good audience. Yeah, have he, you seen? People love Nicolas Cage movies. They love uh, <laughs> Willem Dafoe uh, doing weird shit. I think there's like one of the one of the two scenes I saw from that movie is where Nicolas Cage sings an Elvis song. So that's fun. I think, yeah, I think that's the one that I'm most looking forward to, honestly. And Dune. Yeah, I mean, have you seen, if you've seen the movie Frank. Um, with, I have. Yeah, so the you know when with, he's trying to, yeah. he's trying to make like a popular song that yeah. will be relatable and people will like. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly it. God, that, that yeah. movie is underrated. <laughs> My most likable song ever. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's pretty good. Well, that's what Wilder High is. Um. Okay, well, I will wrap this up. Yes. Next week we'll be... Next week? God. Next month. Next month we will be watching um, Elephant Man and then talking about that and it will be fun. Uh, yeah. Uh, but in, until next time, um, thank you for listening to Lynchpin and I'll see you next time. Ever, ever, ever.